Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I don't know if you saw this, but Jameis Winston was asked about his relationship with Drew Brees. He got real emotional and said Brees will never know what he has meant to him and his family. Does Winston have the best chance to replace Brees in New Orleans? And will his second act as a quarterback in the NFL be successful? Which got us to thinking, what are some of the greatest second acts in football and in sports? We'll discuss all of that and more with Tom Jones, my former radio partner, longtime columnist of the Tampa Bay Times, now with the Pointer Institute on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Tommy, good to have you in the podcast again today. And um, I don't know if you saw this. It was on YouTube. It was an interview, actually. Um, well, it was on the Internet in general, actually, all social media. You know, Jameis Winston did a Zoom call, I, I think, and one of the New Orleans writers asked him about Breeze. And if you recall, the final game, of course, that Breeze played was against the Bucks in, in the postseason, the divisional uh, playoff game and his last pass was intercepted as a matter of fact Winston played in that game he threw a touchdown pass on sort of a flea flicker there was a moment where Breeze went to Jameis Winston and said a few words to him at the end of the game not that he was passing the baton but you could tell that they were meaningful uh, to, to Jameis and he, and he kind of tapped him on the chest so I don't know first of all did you see this interview did you see uh, Winston's emotional reaction to the question about what Drew Brees had to say to him on the sideline. I did see this, and it was funny because when I was watching it, I actually saw it on ESPN, and as Jameis was talking, he stopped talking, he put his head down, and I thought he was just thinking. Yeah. And then I realized, like, wait a minute, he, as he started talking again, his voice was kind of quivering. I was like, oh, wow, he's getting he's getting emotional about this. I was a little, I was a little surprised by it. I, I yeah. had never seen that side of Jameis. Obviously... You know, we've been through a lot with Jameis here in Tampa Bay and had a lot of press conferences where there were some difficult things talked about and his yeah. character was brought up and legal situations and all that. I'd never had seen him like that, though. No, I had not either. Not not to the point where he continued on for some time um, uh, as he was as he was clearly emotional. And, um, you know, the, the the words he said to Breeze uh, about Breeze was, was very um you know, complimentary, obviously. Look, and we can get into. Uh, we'll talk about Winston and sort of his history uh, here, and then and then in New Orleans. I don't. A couple of things that I think that people miss about Jameis. Maybe they don't miss, but but they don't don't realize. Uh, um, the first word that comes to mind with him is passion. Sometimes that passion is misguided, but but in reality, like he loves football, like. There are guys that like being NFL players because of what it brings them, and then there are guys like Jameis, and I think, and I'm not putting him in this category, but Brady is the same guy in the sense that they would just play. Like, they love the football. They love the game of football, not just what it brings them, but they love the game. Um, And then I, I think he's also, you know, passionate about his teammates. He's always been a really, really good teammate, whether things are good, bad, indifferent. 
He has protected teammates. He has not called guys out when he could have, maybe should have. Um, other people had made mistakes that you know he was uh, blamed for and interceptions and things like that. Um, but he, he's always been a great teammate. So if you combine those two things, um, I'm not surprised. Well, I am surprised, but 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 that's sort of that's sort of what he is. In other words, that emotion is always there with Jameis. He brings that to work every single day. What was rare is that he let us see it, mm-hmm. and and you can only you can only just guess. And we've heard a lot of good things about Drew Brees, but you can only guess what impact being with Brees for a year. Um, and he got to play some. He, you know, they they went to Taysom Hill really for, for instead for the starting job for those four games. But you can only imagine what impact Breeze must have had on him in just that one year in New Orleans. You know, the thing with Jameis, and I, and I don't want to get into all everything that happened off the field. I, right, right, right. I think most people know how I feel about him. If I was the Bucks, I would have cut ties with him long ago. But let's just talk about just what you're talking about, the football mm-hmm. aspect and, the, and the, sort of the, the leadership and the passion. My thought about Winston was he always tried to do the right thing. Like he, as far as being a football player, yes. like he wanted to do the right thing. He, I just don't think he had a clue half the time on what he was doing. I think it was, it, and that, that wasn't necessarily his fault uh, all the time. I, I just think he didn't know. He wanted to be a leader badly, didn't know how to do it. Wanted to be a great quarterback, didn't exactly know how to do it. I, I thought the will was there, but he just didn't have the, um, I just think he went. He tried a little bit of everything. Well, I'm a, this week I'm going to be a, this kind of guy. Next week I'm going to be that kind of guy. He so badly wanted to be really good, and he just didn't have a clue on how to go about it. Maybe that year with Wind, with Drew Brees now has taught him. Okay, this is how you do it. You know, I was thinking when he first started talking, Rick. He he looked and he talked about. Now I saw what the relationship was like between a great quarterback and a great coach talking about Brees and Peyton, um, mm. Sean Payton. And I thought for a split second, I'm like, wait, that's kind of a kind of a jab at kind of you know, a all, shot. The co- all the coaches mm-hmm. he played for here, Bruce Arians and Dirk Cutter, who who had his back a lot. And then I thought, well, nothing against those guys, but like he they didn't he didn't know what he was doing here, Jameis. He didn't have anybody to look up to. I mean Ryan Fitzpatrick a little bit maybe, but he was out there floating on his own, learning on a job. And so maybe this year really did do something for him. And I think he for the first time sat back and looked at somebody who who taught him? Here's what you do. Here's how you're. Here's how. Here's how you be a professional quarterback. I think that's a great point, and and I think that he was smart enough, and Jameis is smart, but I think he was smart enough to realize there there were limited opportunities for him to go play last year, and if he was going to go somewhere, it was almost certainly not going to be as a starter. Coming off the thirty, you know that that number thirty will always be tagged to him. Sure, and you know I think that because of that number. You know he he suffered he suffered a lot a lot with that, but but Jameis, you know you got to remember that when you're the number one overall pick in the draft, you go to the worst team. And make no mistake, they were two and fourteen the year before. They tanked a little bit, but they were a two they were a bad football team. So you go there and immediately, and this happens throughout the league, right? We're seeing it all over the league right now in the NFL with some of these young quarterbacks, whether it's you know Sam Darnold or. Uh, you know, Carson Wentz, you know, a lot of guys and, and Wentz had a lot of success early on in Philadelphia, um, but they get chewed up. They get chewed alive if, if they don't reach those expectations. There were immense expectations on him and also, you know, a, a bit of a controversy. I mean, he was the most polarizing pick the Bucks have ever had. 
I mean, for half a, the fan, for half, a variety of reasons. For for a lot of things, yeah. Both both on the field because people felt he threw too many interceptions. He was careless with the football at Florida State, even though he won a national championship very young. Um, and then also the off field. So, and, and then you have the Gator versus Florida State. I mean, there's all of that, right? Right. And the but other, yeah, just here, real quick, the other thing too yeah. was there was another quarterback that the the that could have been taken instead of him. So it wasn't like that's, it was that's right. Yeah, I mean, Marcus Mariota was there as well. It wasn't like Jameis. It wasn't like Trevor Lawrence, clear, far and away, the best quarterback in the Correct. draft. There were a lot of people said like actually like a local guy, Tony Dungy. Like uh, I think Mariota is the better guy. So anyway, that's correct. Yeah. Uh, and not only Tony Dungy, and this became a problem with Jameis, and you can't undo it. Dirk Cutter was the offensive coordinator for Lovey Smith, as you know. Mm-hmm. And and Lovey Smith was bound and determined to draft Jameis Winston, and to the point where he tanked against Drew Brees in the final game, and we all have gone through that. And so they get their choice, and he takes he takes Jameis. Well, I mean, I credit Dirk for being honest, but it stuck with Jameis, I'm sure. We talked to Dirk Cutter the next season after Jameis, after uh, Lovey had been fired after Jameis's rookie year, and Dirk's now the head coach. And we said, hey, um, you know, you coach with, uh, you know, the coach at Oregon before he was one of your coordinators back in the day, and you knew Marietta when, when Mark when the Bucks, Helfrich or whatever is that? Yeah, 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 exactly. When the Bucks, yeah, Helfrich. When the Bucks drafted Jameis, like, who did you? You know, did they ask you like who did you want? And he goes, well, I knew so much more about Marietta that that's really who I want. That that I, you know, if you ask me, I, he goes, I was probably the only guy in the building that would have gone for Mariota instead of Winston. But then he went on to say that he was glad they had Jameis right. and he really had learned a lot in his rookie season, et cetera. But just that one acknowledgement that he was kind of a Mariota guy, you know what I mean? I think that that kind of sowed some discord, maybe subliminally, maybe underneath the surface. I don't know. All I know is that, you know, Dirk Cutter gave Jameis Winston every chance he could because he needed to, Dirk needed Jameis to succeed in order to keep his job, you know. And then some things happened, like the three-game suspension and stuff that put them behind the eight ball with Ryan Fitzpatrick coming in and stuff like that. But – for Winston, I think it, it was hard, not just because it wasn't a good football team, but because there's something about, you know, when you succeed in college and you get to the NFL, no one cares. Like, they really don't care. Like, you have to do it all over again. Even even a guy like Tom Brady, right, for all that he had accomplished, six Super Bowls, all of that, he still had to go to a new team, and they expect you to do what? Take us to the Super Bowl. Be that guy in New England, right? They all have immense respect. For, for you, but you've got to do it here. You've got to do it for them. And, you know, he's on a bad football team. They get a little better. You know, they, they actually have a winning season in, in Dirk Cutter's first year. Um, but I, I just – I never felt like he had enough stripes on his shirt to go up to a, a Mike Evans or some of the young receivers when they ran bad routes. Or maybe he did it privately. We didn't hear about it. But he certainly would take – take the shrapnel on himself, you know, in the press conferences that, you know what, uh, I got to get better. I just got to, I can't, I can't, I can't throw interceptions, you know, and it could be that as we found out, you know, when Bruce Arians took over, he would tell you whose fault it was, you know, and like, you know, Mike Evans, you know, didn't come back for the ball. He cut out the route, whatever, but Jameis would never do that. And so there were a lot of times that, that, um, 
and he wasn't blameless, obviously, but there were a lot of times when I felt like, you know, he didn't accomplish enough in, a, you know, no matter what you do in the college ranks, he didn't do enough here to, to sort of be able to have that authority, if that makes sense. No, it I, makes I just, perfect sense. I just don't think he got there as a leader. You can't be told just by the position. The quarterback position is the leader, right, of the offense. But you, have to, you still have to go out and earn that. You know, you still have to earn that. Yeah, no, I agree with you 100% on that. And I think that um, – and I think he badly wanted to be the leader. Like, you know, that's something we talked so about. So badly. Yeah. And he and I, when I say he didn't know what to do, I, I'm only saying that because it's – he just had never been taught it. I, right. I just, he had no He didn't have a it. professional quarterback in front of him. Like you said, to your point, okay, Ryan Fitzpatrick comes in here. Well, Ryan Fitzpatrick has played – this is his ninth team that he's going to right. in Washington. Little thing about Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's a talented guy because he's still playing in the NFL, for gosh mm-hmm. sakes. Yeah. Ryan Fitzpatrick wants to play. Absolutely. You and wherever right he goes, wherever yeah. he goes, guess what? He winds up playing. And he winds up playing pretty well. And he has groomed young guys, and he has taken over from young guys, right? And sometimes he's been the starter like he was with the Jets for a couple years um, and then had to yield to young guys. But – you know, and I'm not saying that he was a jerk in the meeting rooms or they didn't get along, but at the end of the day, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick wanted to play. Well, we saw this past year knew it. in yeah. Miami when yeah. when Tua got the job and like Fitzpatrick, and I don't blame him. Kind of like said, I didn't see it coming. I kind of got blindsided. And he said he talked he about had to take a day. Remember, he right? Like, yeah, he talked about being in meetings with the guy that is replacing him, and he wasn't right. excited about it. You know, right? And I look, I totally get that. That's why James. I think Jameis made a really good choice of going to a place last year. Mm-hmm. You talked about it with A, that was a good team, and, a, and, and B, a good culture, but also right. behind a quarterback who wasn't going to be threatened by him. Like Drew Brees no. wasn't losing his job to Jameis Winston. No. You know? Whereas if and, – and I don't know that he would have lost his job in, say, Pittsburgh if he had gone to Pittsburgh because that was one of the places we, that he was rumored to go. That was one. That was interested, yeah. I'm not sure I'd want to back up Ben Roethlisberger. I'm not sure Ben Roethlisberger and, – and again, I, I don't, I don't know – Ben Roethlisberger may be a great guy in the room. I don't know. I think Ben Roth- Roethlisberger is about Ben Roethlisberger. He wants to play, and he has. I think Drew Brees is probably the right guy for Jameis to learn from. You know? I would agree because there was some question as to whether Drew was going to play last year at all. Mm-hmm. In fact, the last few years. But I, I saw him at the Pro Bowl before the start of last season. I'm here to tell you he was smelling the roses. He says he's done <laughs> it the last four years, but I, I mean, he was spending all this time, you know, with his kids and. Um, you know, on the practice field, he wouldn't leave. And you just look like a guy that was never going to play another football game outside of this Pro Bowl in Orlando. And he and he did. He talked about it when he did retire. He said, you know, I've been thinking about retiring for a number of years. Um, but but I would agree with you that he wasn't going to be threatened from Jameis because he knew in all probability that was going to be his last season. What was good for Jameis, and, and he said it at the time, he, he it was a little bit of a slight, maybe people took it as to the Bucks was that, I'm going to a Harvard quarterback school, you know, with guys like Sean Payton and Drew Brees and and even mentioned Taysom Hill, whatever. Um, But he did get a a chance to step back. And and he also made people make goes, well, now I don't have to Google what being a professional quarterback is, right? Um, Which is a slight on everybody that coached him. But but I know what he means in, in terms of if you want to see a guy, how he prepares, if you want to see how he wins football games, how he doesn't lose games, but he wins games. And Drew Brees was not the Drew Brees that he had been most of his career. I mean, his his arm has been 
on a decline for a number of years. He he went through the, the you know the eleven cracked ribs. By the time he played in the playoff game, we found out oh yeah he had a torn labrum. I mean he couldn't throw the ball you know twenty yards downfield. I don't think, and the Bucks knew it and took full advantage of it. And that's why the only touchdown pass, you know, uh, deep shot came from Jameis Winston. But he he saw how to prepare. He saw how to win games and not lose them. Uh, and he saw how he carried himself on and off the field. And it had to have had a, a, it had to have resonated with him. You know, now, I mean, if we could all just, you know, sit around and learn things from great people, then I'd be a much better reporter than I am now because I've been a lot of, around great repe- reporters. It's not all osmosis, right? You you have to go out and do it, and that's going to be the big test for him. Um, no, but, you're right, but here's the thing, and you you talked about it. I get it, the whole, like, I, no, I don't have to Google it because even when he was here, forget the quarterback situation. Who was around him that was a, that you could that he could have looked at? Anywhere else on the team. Name another player that he played with in Tampa Bay where he, where he could learn what it's like to be a winner. They're, they were all the same boat. Well, they hadn't won. I mean, Levante David would be one, you but, would say, Gerald McCoy. But the same thing with Gerald. He came in as the third overall pick to a bad team and got blamed for every time they lost, even right. though he went to six Pro Bowls. Levante you know? David never played in a playoff game until this year. Not one. Not Gerald one. McCoy never played one until this year. Mike Evans never played one until this year. Correct. Now, they had some guys come in like – uh, we well, you had your Vincent Deshaun Jackson, Jackson had, and Vincent Jackson, yeah, stuff like that. Some of those but guys, still, yeah. like guys that really had a lot of um, it's a great point. credit built up here. It, it's a great point. There were too many Ali Marpet, Donovan Smith. These were guys that, that that were successful here in terms of this team, uh, as far as playing goes. And some of them got second contracts. Some of them are still there now. But they never won anything. You know what? They they didn't they they you know, can, they, they didn't go to Pro Bowls. They didn't go to playoff games. And so you're right. When you look back at it, you go, "Holy cow!" Like no one had done it while he yeah, was. What here. was the biggest win? Like Levante you know? David before this year. What was the biggest win you were ever a part of as a professional? Like what? Like week seven? Hard to name. Like week thirteen of a game season San Diego that, that you, you didn't know, make like, the playoffs? What, yeah. Like uh, you know. right, right. So I, yeah. I look. I think this is going to be. It's funny because I saw Lewis Riddick, who I really like a lot. Um, you mm-hmm. know, Monday Night Football analyst on ESPN, and he said, and I disagree with him a little bit. He said, but he said, uh, I think I think Jameis now has proven he knows what it takes to be uh, to win in this league. When you watch that video, and I'm like, well, wait a minute, let's uh, no. see him play again because Jameis. Yeah. And I'm not saying this was. I think this was completely authentic. I do believe that he was caught up in the emotion of it. But mm-hmm. Jameis always, I think, was gauging the room. And like, oh, and Gerald McCoy was always a little bit like this in my mind. Like, what am I supposed to say right now? What is supposed – because I heard – look, I heard the speech from Jameis 100 times. I can't give the ball away. And he'd go out the next <laughs> week and he'd throw two interceptions and fumble it two more times. Like Two? <laughs> right, yeah. Wow. That's what a, game that were you watching? Week. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> but it we, was, didn't even, we didn't raise an eyebrow when it was two. <laughs> That's right. Like, hey, you had we a good like, game. Hey, what about that fourth interception today, James? <laughs> but – we you know with with Jameis, you know, I, he always, yeah, he always says what I, a lot of times what I think sounded good, um, but Lewis Riddick seems to think that somehow something's connecting with him this time around, and we'll see. I I think it's going to be fascinating. I want him to play just because I think it's a great story, and I think it would be fun to to watch them and the, Buc- the Saints and the Bucks battle it out. But until he, he gets on the field, Rick, we don't know. We don't know, and if you can't, here's the thing: like if you, you know, you're going in, and it's a, it's a according to 
you know, according to Sean Payton, it's a battle between him and Taysom Hill, which I would say, wait a minute, if you can't, if you're going back to New Orleans, okay, I just I got a question over here, Mr. Winston, <laughs> in the back, the guy you remember. Um, did you resign with New Orleans if they didn't guarantee you the starting job? It's a good question, and I don't know what his other options actually were. I mean, well, Washington. Uh, I okay, don't know Washington... so so you, they so what they've said is you can compete, and you know the competition, but that was the guy that. Sean Payton chose to start over you during the four weeks that Drew Brees was out of the game. In other words, he had a choice to make. I can go with Jameis. I can go with the guy. Now, you could say, well, Taysom Hill knew the offense, had been in the offense, had been under center there for New Orleans, and maybe they made some promise to him when they brought him back that year or two years, $16 million, that you're our backup quarterback. I don't know. But what all I know is when Sean Payton had that decision to make last year, he chose the other guy. No, so the that, other guy's still there. No, and he's still there, and, I, and it's, that's true. But let, let's put it this way. If I were a playoff team, and I'm trying to – like New Orleans was, and mm-hmm. my option is between a guy who I'm pretty sure is not going to get me killed. Like, he's not going to lose games for me. And a guy who has a huge upside, but he also might lose a game or two for me. Yeah. I'm going to take the more safer pick. It's almost like if I needed, if I need a game that I absolutely 100% have to win tomorrow, yeah. Who do I want? Ryan Fitzpatrick or Jameis Winston? I think I'm taking Ryan Fitzpatrick. Mm-hmm. But if I have to win 12 out of 16, there I think go. I'd rather have Jameis. You gotcha. know? And I, I feel that same way about Taysom Hill, that I trust Taysom Hill more point. over three or four games than I do over 16 games, which I think if Jameis can't beat Taysom Hill out, then, yeah, I mean, then, well, there are then some, he should listen, think about moving on. Th- there are some people, and maybe, maybe Sean Payton included, that think that Taysom Hill could be Steve Young. That he is this big, burly, you know, can 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 run, can throw. Now, he hasn't thrown many passes in the NFL, only 15 until the start of last year. But they, they think he could do it all. And, and there might be part of Peyton who was strapped, and this is not a bad place to be strapped, but, you know, Drew Brees was never going to leave the pocket. Drew Brees was always going to be the guy that got the ball out of his hand quickly and made quick decisions and, Oh, yeah, once in a while he'd throw it down the field. But for the most part, he beat you with his head as much as he did with his arm. So might, might there be a part of Champagne that goes, man, I'd love these run-pass options. I'd love to do me some RPOs like some of these other teams, you know? Yeah. And, and Taysom Hill gives him that. Not that Jameis can't. Jameis is mobile, but he's not a runner. So I'm just curious, like, if, if there's a part of Sean Payton is like, the, you know, watch this. You know, Sean Payton's got a little John Gruden in him now. You know? <laughs> I'll tell you Smartest what, man. <laughs> You're an extension of me. I was a third-string quarterback at Dayton, but I'm pulling the strings now, man. And he and he wants to be the quarterback, and he is the quarterback by proxy, right? He's just, he's just, he's just sort of pulling the strings. So I, so I wonder if there's part of that. But I don't think Jameis comes back unless he has gauged not just his chances, but the locker room. Like, I think there's a lot of guys in that locker room that think Jameis Winston's going to be their quarterback and should be over Taysom Hill. I don't well, know why I believe that, but I believe that. Well, from all accounts, too, and I, and we weren't in that room last year. and, and But, I mean, from everything you see and hear and read and everything, he, he went in and did everything the right way. He went in there yeah, and he did. didn't act like an idiot and – you know, he, well, other than eating the W's at Raymond well, James, but yeah, 
<laughs> I'll give him that. Though. There's a history of that. But it's yeah. you know he didn't go in there and it's that from the sounds of it, it didn't go in there and acted like he like a big shot. He he acted like he was the backup. And you know what you forget? His first playoff game was yeah. la- was last year. Yeah, it was last year when when they played when they played the Saints. And look, you know? there's I there's some, lost there's got to gotta be play. something to, for for revenge. There's got to be it's got to mean something. Like well, you saw what it meant to him when they when they beat him twice, and especially the second time on Monday Night Football, you saw how much it meant to Jameis. Right, he was mugging with with Breeze on camera after the game. I mean, that's when the whole you know the celebration in the locker room. Did where they do a lap around the stadium with the buses? I mean, it was you know it was on. I mean, he was he was in his glory. In fact, he was a little too much in his glory. Yeah. As were the Saints, because by the time they met the Bucks again, they were a different football team. That was right. a different football team, um, and so they wound up losing the one that mattered. Right? Like you, you know, doesn't matter if you win the ones during the regular season; it's what you're going to do in the postseason. But I'm I'm interested. It got it got me to thinking about you know second acts in sports and in football in particular, and you know the guy he's replacing in some instance in some sense is a little like Jameis, and, and what I mean by that is that he was kind of given up on or was given up on by the San Diego Chargers. I mean, this was a, a guy that was taken out of Purdue. Uh, I mean, he went to Purdue, and he, like, like was, you know, the best quarterback in the Big Ten, beat Michigan, all that, right? And he he goes to San Diego, and he's behind Doug Flutie, and he can't beat out the, the little guy, you know? Right. Uh, and he's a little guy, but he finally, he finally gets – gets the controls of, of the thing and um, doesn't do well initially, but then but then wins the starting job. I, I saw a podcast with Jim Trotter, my friend from NFL Network, saying how you know Jim went up to him before the season and, and Breeze had told him, hey, I just want you to know that we're going to the playoffs and I'm going to be in the Pro Bowl this year. And Trotter was like, my goodness, where is this coming? Like, have you watched Dude, you're yourself? like five nine. You know, yeah. That, like, right? have you seen yourself play? Like, you you don't haven't really gotten off very well here. Northwestern, well, he, Northwestern ain't on the schedule there. Exactly, Chief. Yeah. But you know what? He went to the playoffs and he and he was in, and he was named to the Pro Bowl and and yet they still went and got Philip Rivers, mm-hmm. and that was the end of Drew Brees, who got hurt, who hurt his shoulder. Of course, went to Miami. They they signed Dante Culpepper instead. He ends up in New Orleans. So he was a second act guy in and of himself. Sure. Right? Some of it was injury, a big part of it was injury, and the fact that they went and drafted a quarterback like Philip Rivers, who did pretty well, by the way. Um, didn't win a Super Bowl like Breeze did for New Orleans, but he did pretty well. So there's one for you. Um you brought up one I had completely forgot about. I don't know if it just I don't know if it actually counts the way because as you mentioned, Drew Brees Kinda played does. and yeah. Jameis played Brett Favre, and when I talk about Brett Favre, I don't mean the second act from going from Green Bay to, to the to Jets. Minnesota, Minnesota. Yeah. So I right. mean the, the second act of going from Atlanta to Green Bay. Yes. I mean, he started off in Atlanta. Now, I, he certainly wasn't as highly thought of uh, coming out of college as Jameis was. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't have the playing experience. He barely played in Atlanta. I don't even know if he played at all, really. Um, Glanville and, wouldn't play him. No, and, and I get, do we, what it wasn't it like Glanville – Asked him like which Mississippi, which Mississippi did you go to? Like <laughs> he didn't even know where he was from, didn't even know who he was, and I, and I don't know if they had the greatest relationship. And Brett Favre was a bit of a he's a carouser. Yeah, he was a bit. No, I, yeah, I think he's always been that, but I think <laughs> well, I think he had a little he, bit more of a not serious anymore. issue. Yeah, yeah. He, he cleaned himself up uh, and went from Atlanta to Green Bay. But yeah, that's the one that sort of 
jumps out at me um, as having a second. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hockey, I mean, that, that's a great one. Hockey, uh, again, it's almost like Brett Favre, like a like a Marty St. Louis who was sort of he, he played with Calgary. I'll tell you a guy. No, I'll give you another guy. Um hockey wise who actually was pretty good and then went on and became just unbelievable was Phil Esposito. Phil Esposito played in Chicago early in his career. And they Did got he play tr- with Tony in Chicago. Yeah, played I mean, played for Tony briefly yeah, with briefly I believe. And then okay. got traded to Boston and when you look back you'd have to I don't know all who was involved in the trade. It's considered one of the worst trades or best trades. How bad. To, which whichever side you're Depending on. Depending on which side you're on. Yeah. Right. In NHL history went to Boston and became this phenomenal player. And here's the, just real quick, just a shout out to Phil Esposito about something. I was, uh, last week, Alex Ovechkin uh, passed him on the all-time goals list. And Goodness. now we've experienced Ovechkin's career and just realized, like, this guy was an ant. This guy's been an animal. And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden he stopped and said, wait a minute, it wasn't until a week ago that he scored more goals than Phil Esposito scored oh, in the NHL. Context. So it's that's context. It yeah. just goes to show you just what an incredible player Phil Esposito was. Because we hear him now, it's on the, you hear him on the radio. He's like, oh, what are you doing, Edmund? Oh, <laughs> yelling that's at the referee. Oh, that's an awful call. What's a, but the, guy, the guy's like Mickey Mantle. He's like yeah. Willie Mays. He's one of the greatest ever at, in his sport. You know. So anyway, he, that was a great second act as well. I think uh, if you look at if you just look in Tampa Bay's history, the the you know the one that got away for for and he wasn't any good when he was here, um, but he's in the Hall of Fame. Steve Young. Oh yeah, yeah. You, you know, mentioned Young earlier, yeah. And and I, I you know I just I, I just look back at that, and of course he had to sit behind Montana for like three or four years. Um, and if he doesn't get with Bill Walsh, maybe he doesn't you know become the player. And here again, sitting behind a Hall of Fame quarterback. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, watching Montana, itching to play. At some point, he wanted out of there because he he was ready to play, and and there was such a a uh, uh, you know such a, a, an allegiance to to Montana. And then Montana got hurt, and he did play, and he played great, and you know won. And then when Montana came back, that became the you know are they going back to Joe? Are they going to go stay with Steve? And I think eventually Montana realized that he needed to go, and sort of more or less got a trade uh, to Kansas city, uh, you know, done so that, uh, so that he could be a starter still uh, in the league and Steve young took over, but young, you know, young just ran around and ran for his life. I mean, you talk about bad football teams. I mean, Lehman Bennett had two, two and 14s at that time before Perkins came and Perkins of course was going to draft Vinny Testaverde and did. And, and then they, uh, they made the trade and initially they were going to trade him to the, um, I think it was to the at that time it was the Cardinals, who I believe were in St. Louis at the time, and Young found out about it and was livid. He was like, <laughs> "You can't do oh you can't do this to me again." Like I'm going from you know the outhouse to something like the outhouse, you know, and uh, and eventually convinced Culverhouse not to make that deal, 
and then and then San Francisco uh, gave him a two and a four and, and one million dollars cash, I think, to uh, to finish the deal for Steve Young. But that was one. I'm trying to think of there if there are any in baseball. Obviously, the Rays, you know, constantly have to give players away um, before they sometimes before they reach their prime. But for the most part, the Rays have done a good job of knowing when when that that time was to deal them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Whether it, whether it was Carl Crawford or or you know even David Price, who had has had success obviously since he left here. You could still argue his best years were with the Rays. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah no, I I agree. And and you know he went and he had success elsewhere. You know he pitched in Detroit for a while, and then he was right. with, what Toronto made the, the playoffs in Toronto, Boston. The Red Sox. He's bounced and, around a few. And now he's with the. I guess he's with the Dodgers. You're talking about. Yeah, he is. He opted out a year ago, and now for a he's, minute they were talking about back. throwing him in the bullpen because they got they got like the Dodgers have like 17 starters. It's so loaded, they don't need David <laughs> Price. It is. It is. It's <laughs> ridiculous. But uh, it's uh, yeah. I mean, um, but baseball wise, I, you know, it used to be early in people's careers, long ago. There would be a lot of there's a lot more trades in baseball. Now yeah. it seems like you get that guy early in his career, like a Tatis or somebody like that, and you. And you sign him to a three hundred million dollar contract and make sure he doesn't right. get away, unless you're the unless you're the the race. Right. Uh, it's interesting. Um, again, we we don't know, you know, what what the future holds for Jameis. He he, you know, it's interesting because anytime his name comes up on social media, then the Twitter people start and and it becomes sort of an old debate. And you know, who's better? I have to imagine this is. I know Jameis, and I know this is the way he probably. First of all. It had to kill him, and I mean kill him, that the Bucks won the Super Bowl a year ago. And I don't mean it like he was probably very happy for his teammates because, again, he's been the ultimate teammate. I'm sure he texted those guys, probably congratulated a bunch of the Mike Evans and people, Levantes and people he had played with. He, he cared about those guys. But, man, to be, to be still living in this area, I believe he does, um, and to have you know gone through what, what he had to go through, the losing and things like that, and to be in the same division and have and basically rolled over them twice and then lose to them in the playoffs and watch them make this run and win a Super Bowl in Tampa, that had to be a, that had to be tough. But what Jameis will say, and I know he will, is that they had to get the goat to replace me. You know, right. like it wasn't like it wasn't like you brought in Teddy Bridgewater, although that was an option. You got Tom Brady to do it. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that Which, makes it you make you makes you feel a little bit better, but at the same time, if I'm Jameis Winston, the way I I couldn't help but look at because I I look at it this way because all Tampa Bay looks at it this way is they got rid of Jameis and they brought in another quarterback. That quarterback was yes the goat, but then they won it all. Yeah. So maybe it was you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, again, we'll go. Now back they to that. would have grown if Jameis had stayed. They wouldn't have surrounded him with you know Gronk, An- Antonio Brown, Lenny, coming. Antonio Brown, right. Yeah. Those guys aren't all coming, but right. at the same time, yeah, it's it's, yeah, we switch quarterbacks. We got rid of you. We brought in somebody else, <laughs> and then we won the whole thing. So, you do yeah. the math. That's right. Well, we'll see how uh, how Jameis Winston fares. But check it out; it's all over social media. Jameis Winston talking about uh, Drew Brees. It's my quarterback. And, uh, it's my quarterback. That's my that's my old quarterback. We'll see what that Harvard education brings him next year. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting if he wins the job. Obviously, the Bucks and the Saints. I mean, I look, the Bucks are, I think, in the latest ESPN power rankings, are first. I don't know. Wow. Uh, they got the band back together, right? And and who's going to bet against Brady now? 
they certainly would be the favorites to win the NFC South simply because, you know, the Saints uh, will have a new quarterback, whoever it is. Carolina is still rebuilding mode, doesn't seem to like their quarterback very much. Maybe ah, they end up with Deshaun Watson. Maybe that's a mess, by the way, yeah. oh, uh, down there in Houston. Um, so who knows who their quarterback is. And then Atlanta is sort of in a rebuild mode, you know, themselves. And, and you I think don't Atlanta know. could be sneaky. They could be sneaky okay. Yeah. You know, I don't know that they're going to win the division, though. Are they division okay? No, but okay? I mean, they could, they, could, they could ruin a couple of Sundays for you here. And yeah, there. that's you true. Know. That's true. I mean, it's always always competitive in the NFC South, but I think the Bucks will be favored in it. If, don't underestimate, I mean, that's still a really good football team minus their quarterback, which is the biggest piece. I understand that. But the New Orleans Saints still have a lot of good players, um, and they've won a lot of games. I'll say this, Rick. Next year's – will be the best team Jameis Winston's ever been on. Hmm. Very good. Yeah, you're right. Right? Yeah, I think so. I think think it will be, and that certainly helps you. You're only as good as your supporting cast. So what do we got going on at at, uh, pointer.org with your newsletter these days? I talked to my buddy, Katie Couric, the other day. No, you didn't. Big Q&A on my pointer. It was on Mondays. No, you didn't. Monday's newsletter, yeah. I talked to her. I actually talked to her last week as she was wrapping up. Well, they were wrapping up the airing of Jeopardy. She hosted Jeopardy for two weeks. Now, is that something? Does she want to do that full time? I asked her that. that. I think I broke a little national news there. I asked her if she would want to do it full time, and she said no. She said as as much fun as it was. She's got too much. She's got so much going on. So I asked her, uh, "Like, what did you what did you do today?" And she said, "Well, uh, I did a podcast at eight a.m. with Kate Winslet, um, and then <laughs> okay. I did another interview." You want to pick with, up those names, not yeah. Tom? Well, she, I didn't do it. She, it was just her. You know, then she's yeah, like, and then I did a podcast with Catherine Hahn, you know, from Step Brothers yeah. and yeah. WandaVision. and then uh, and then she had a pitch for a scripted series. She sat down with Gwyneth Paltrow for that, and then she goes. She said, and "Then I had another interview with this, with this Mitch album thing that she's doing in Detroit." She goes, "And now I'm talking to you." And I was like, <laughs> "Okay, which is the odd guy out here? Like, who doesn't belong on this list?" You know. Um, I said but, the best for last. Yeah, but so we talked. Uh, yeah, she talked about Jeopardy, and she. It was really interesting. She said to Jeopardy, she's like, she was so nervous about it because she's like. You know, they have these like you know Beowulf German poetry names and yeah. How like, do you pronounce all those? Like she's that like would... they. T- he said she said the first thing she because I was scared to death and the first thing the the executive producer guy by the name of Mike Richards who actually hosted Jeopardy for a couple of weeks there uh, a while back um, said um, he first thing he told her he goes we I promise we will not let you look bad like mm. you'll look and it's, they give her pronunciation guides and stuff like that but. Um, she said it was a lot of fun, but it, she did ten shows in two days. They take five a day. She said it's just exhausting at the end of it. Um, but she's got her company. Kind of like this. Kind of stuff. Yeah. Kind of like what I like to do with this podcast. Sometimes I mean, <laughs> five in know, one do, day. Just do all five in one day. So I don't. don't have to, unfortunately, it's a daily podcast. <laughs> that's right. Uh, did she ask? Did she ask for some wine and hand sanitizers? That's all. No, I, that's I was all talking to her on the phone. She was driving around in the Hollywood Hills somewhere, going for some meeting. She probably meeting. Sure, up with she was. President yeah. Biden or something. Who knows what she was up to? So <laughs> That's great. Well, check it out. Uh, Tom Jones's newsletter, pointer.org, O-R-G. And uh, make sure you uh, you register to get that every day because uh, he's dropping names and I'm picking them up right behind him all the time. That's what we do around here. Thanks, Tommy. We'll talk to you later. Sounds good. Our thanks to Tom Jones for joining us today. And he'll join us again Friday on the podcast. Tomorrow, we're going to do our ever-popular mailbag segment. 
So get your questions in today to, for Rick Stroud. Do you want to ask him about the Bucks? Maybe uh, some more free agency questions, looking ahead towards the NFL draft. You want to ask about the Lightning, who have won five in a row now. Andre Vasilevsky sets the franchise record with 12 straight wins as they now have 50 points through 32 games in the shortened season. You want to ask about the Rays? We're just over a week away from opening day for the Tampa Bay Rays. Of course, they'll open on the road, but uh, they're going to start. We had Brent Honeywell pitch this week. Uh, so they're getting ready to start. Or you want to ask about March Madness. And uh, speaking of March Madness, the run ended for the South Florida Lady Bulls yesterday as the North Carolina State Wolfpack beat them 79-67. Uh, South Florida played a whale of a game, particularly in the first half. They actually had a 36-35 lead at the half. Uh, they had some incredible shooting in the first half. Just uh, didn't have enough firepower for that second half as NC State, the number one seed, advances. South Florida was the eighth seed, of course, uh, I think they got hosed on their seating, to be quite honest. But they finished the season 19-4, and a great run for Jose Fernandez's squad. Um, they get a lot of those girls back next year, so uh, the future is bright there for the University of South Florida, uh, the, the women's basketball team there. So get your mailbag questions in. You can tweet us at NFL Stroud to Rick Stroud directly or the podcast at Sports Day Tampa Bay. Or if you'd like to email your questions, you can send them directly to Rick at rstroud at tampabay.com. For Tom Jones and Rick Stroud, I'm Steve Versnick. Have a great day, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.